And welcome to the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield, the postgame rap show. We're live at the Team Hotel, the Omaha Hilton, just to the south of TD Ameritrade Park. We've just walked over, and State drops an 8-2 decision in game one of the College World Series. And, Charlie, I tell you what, sometimes this game, we talk about the intricacies of the game and about how sometimes people think they love the game, but they don't understand the game. Tonight it was simple. Tonight it was, <laughs> tonight it was just simple, and anybody could know. And this is not a shot at, at, at one player or anything like that. What you had tonight is you had a guy out on the mound when he started the ball game who had one pitch. He didn't have his breaking ball. He had one pitch. And it was like every time he tried to throw a curveball, it was a wasted pitch. Yeah, and it was a big miss. And that was a, that's the thing. And we're going we're gonna to live in the, the Bank First studios, the traveling Bank First studios here in Omaha. And we're going to talk to Roy Oswald, the former big league pitcher, of course, Ware, Mississippi native. And he was a Mississippi State signee. And Roy's going to jump in with us in just a little bit. We're going to talk about kind of the mindset of sometimes you just don't have it. And, Charlie, I kind of equate it to somewhat of a golfer. And I'm not a great golfer. At one time I was a decent golfer. And it was almost like sometimes you had trouble with your seven iron. Sometimes that seven iron, no matter what happened, when you pulled it out on the course, the seven iron just wouldn't work. And you get out on the range and you work with that seven iron and you hit it pure. But then you get back out on the course, and that first time you need to use that seven iron, you hit it a little fat, skull it a little bit, hit it real thin, and you're like, it, I just can't find a seven iron. I go back to the range and I work on it, work on it, work on it. I get back to the course. You just get the shanks with one club. Well, here's my problem. To make that hypothetical fit, you'd also have to tell me that you've lived your life with the 7-iron being your best club. And that's yeah. the thing about McLeod is the curveball's been his pitch. It has. When he lands that curveball, that's what's made him who he is. And he didn't have it. No, just didn't have it. He didn't. And so when you when you lose that pitch, especially early in the bats, then all of a sudden you find yourself down at the plate. You know, I think back. To me, I thought one of the biggest at-bats of the game, and I know the, the leadoff walk was big to Enrique Bradfield. Of course, you had a couple hit batters in there. The big two-run single by C.J. Rodriguez to me is the one that kind of showed me about Vanderbilt's approach at the time. They knew Bradfield just spit on breaking ball. He spit on breaking ball, spit on breaking ball, and he just waited for that 2-2 fastball. He was just waiting on it. He drive the ball through the left side. And that was the big at-bat in the first inning. Now, then you get the three-run home run Chase Patrick hits, but I thought that one at-bat right there was massive for Rodriguez. I, I'm going to jump ahead and tell you that the play of the game for me is going to be the leadoff walk of the ball game. Oh, it was. It, it was. It changed the entire game. Hey, Roy's here. Let's talk to Roy Oswald. So, Roy Oswald going to sit in with us now, former big league pitcher. How many years you pitched in big leagues, Roy? 13. 13. Man, we got old. We got old in a hurry. <laughs> Quickly. Hey, I, I told Charlie a moment ago, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is surely over that 13-year career, there was a night where you went out there, and it may have been breaking stuff, may have been a fastball, where you just didn't have the feel. How tough is it on a big stage like this when you try to when you got to try to find a release point to a pitch that you know you just don't have? I think um, – you know, most, most nights you go out there, you're not going to have all four pitches. So if, you, if you're a four-pitch pitcher, you're not going to have all four of them any, any given night. The nights you do have the four, it's, it's a great night most, most of the time. So 
you know, my biggest thing when I come out of the bullpen is have two pitches going. Try to get two pitches going. You know, you may have to mark out your slider and your changeup. You may have to pitch with a fastball curveball to, you know, start out the game. And then maybe it comes back later on. It's all about release point. Sometimes the bullpen's mound's different than the, than the mound on the field. And, um, you know, that's a lot of times you come out of the bullpen and you don't have your best stuff when you leave the bullpen. But when you get out on the mound, uh, the angle may change, may look a little different. The ball comes out of your hand a little bit better. So my biggest thing was, you know, get two pitches going in the bullpen. Go carry it on the field and establish your fastball first. It doesn't matter if you're, you're 84 to, you know, 88. It doesn't matter how fast you throw. You have to establish that fastball early. And the biggest thing you cannot do in early in the game is put guys on. You know, that's, that's the hardest thing to get by because you have seven guys out there in the field behind you. you got one in front of you. Make those guys make plays. You know, it doesn't matter if you give up ground balls through the hole. At least you're making, giving the team a chance to uh, make a play behind you. And uh, when, you're, when you're walking guys and getting behind guys, it makes it that much easier for the opposing team. To your point, Roy, five of the runs that scored today for Vanderbilt reached base by a walk or a hit pitch. I think only one guy that reached by a walk didn't score. I want to read you a text message I sent to Bart before the game. I said, we've been in a weather delay for 10 minutes, and until about two minutes ago, McLeod has been in the bullpen throwing. Does this suggest that we aren't happy with something or are worried about where he is? It's almost like they are still trying to figure things out. Foxhall is still standing behind him talking to him. Yeah, that's, that's a tough situation, especially as starters, because you have, a, you have a routine that you do every time before you start. And, you know, you may go out 30 minutes before the game, do your stretching, start throwing on the field, and then going into the bullpen 15 minutes before the game. Then when they kind of delay it with you, it's honestly better to almost sit down like you just had an inning, your first inning, get back up and try to get your routine going back again. I've had, you know, different times where – the same thing happened to me. So what I would try to do is if they say, hey, we got a 30-minute delay, I would try to time it where, all right, I got a 10-minute inning, get up and throw 10 pitches, all right, set back down, get back up and throw an inning. And sometimes it'll decrease the longevity of the game, but you're still in rhythm on being able to start, you know, when a game starts. That's, that's a tough situation being prolonged. But when you're going into a game like this right here, there, there's no time to work on stuff in the bullpen before the game. It's – Either you have it and you try to go with your best two pitches or you don't have it. That, that's the only way you can look at it. You can't really coach right before the game. That's the worst time you can coach, actually, because sometimes it gets in the guy's head. Um, it don't look as sharp to him as it's looking to me. I thought that was a pretty good quality pitch. He didn't. So now you start doubting your stuff before you go into the game. Instead of trying to boost it up, say, hey, that's a great pitch, good location, try to pump him up so that when he does go into the game, he has that confidence going into the game. Uh, tonight, I, th I thought, you know, at the very beginning of the game, he kind of got started getting behind guys, started worrying him because his stuff wasn't as sharp as it maybe it was coming out of bullpen or uh, wasn't sharp coming out of bullpen. He got worried, and the next thing you know, he's trying to throw the kitchen sink at him from the very first pitch. You know, he used all four pitches within the first three batters, and that's a given token to the other batter, the other team. Hey, he's going to throw everything he's got. He's throwing every pitch he's got in his arsenal. We've not seen everything in the first four batters. I was real big about trying to hide a pitch until I needed it. So if you go through the first inning or two innings throwing a fastball curveball, they've never seen your slider or your changeup yet. So you got two more pitches that you can use any time in the game. Well, and to be fair, I don't know what was being talked about in the bullpen. It just kind of struck me that the field is empty and you're still down in the bullpen doing some work. 
talking to Roy Oswalt. We're at the team hotel. A lot of clatter in the, in the background, a lot of chatter, and folks have just walked uh, over from the stadium. Roy, we talked to one of your former teammates, Roger Clemens, a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about early in the game, if he's trying to get deep, it's almost like I want that guy who's batting in the two spot in the order. I'm going to run him a two-seam fastball and say, you know what, if you hit it through the infield, you hit it through the infield. I'm going to try to get early action and get past you in a hurry. Tonight, early on, you talk about that first batter with Enrique Bradfield. He threw four fastballs out of the gate, but then went breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball. And so it's almost like you're trying to find feel and get a strikeout with a fastball. You just didn't have anything to put Vanderbilt away in that first inning. How tough is that? Is that, is that the situation where you were kind of like Roger Clemens and said, hey, I want to throw you something down in the zone. I don't care if I catch a lot of plate. If you put it in play, you put it in play. I'm not going to try to strike you out here and prolong this at bat. Well, the number, the number one pitch in all of baseball, doesn't matter if you're in college, big leagues, minor leagues, where you're at, is a located fastball. That's the hardest pitch to hit in the big in the big leagues. You can ask any hitter in the big leagues, doesn't matter if they're a Hall of Fame or, or, or where they was at in the big leagues, if you locate a fastball, to square up a fastball is really hard to do, even if you're setting on it, if it's located. You know, down and away, down and in, you got four quadrants you can use, up and in, up and away. So you can move the ball around. So being, being able to cover middle away and middle end, it's almost impossible if you can throw both sides of the plate. So just like I said earlier, if you establish your fastball early in the game, it will carry you a lot of time through the sixth and seventh inning just because those guys have to gear up fastball, fastball, fastball. But when you don't have an overpowering fastball and you can set off-speed pitches, then that's when the guys you know, start teeing off on your curveballs and stuff like that. Everything is set up from your fastball on. And I think sometimes these guys try to get into a rhythm where they're trying to strike guys out on the very first pitch. They're trying to throw the best curveball in the world on the first pitch instead of throwing that good breaking ball that we get a ground ball on or a guy kind of gets out in front of it, hits it off the end of the bat, and get a first pitch out. Let's try to get six and seven pitch innings instead of 17 pitch innings by striking, trying to strike two or three guys out. Roy, I want to ask you, Bart, I don't know if you've seen – do we know who's pitching tomorrow for Mississippi State? Has that been announced? I don't think it's been announced yet, but I did see Houston Harding was doing a lot of charting, and typically your guy that's charting is the guy the next day, and that, that would be a quick rest. That would be a very quick comeback. But he only went, what, four and a third the other day, so it's not like he threw a ton of pitches. So you might well, could see a Houston Harding come back. Well, and that's the question I want to ask Roy is this. It looks like it's setting up for Mississippi State that you're going to throw a guy on, what, three days rest tomorrow. You have Vanderbilt probably looking on Wednesday, should it get there, throwing Rocker on four days rest. What goes in, talk about the effects of pitching on short rest, particularly in the college game. When you think about these guys, the shortest rest they have in the course of a season is five days, meaning maybe they pitch a Friday, and the next weekend it gets bumped to a, to a Thursday start. But they're typically seven days, you know, between starts, six days of rest. What does it do to you? What are the factors for a guy pitching on short rest? It is a different ball game coming in short rest, especially college guys, where they're not used to throwing earlier. You know, once you get in a big leagues, you got four days of rest, you pitch on the fifth day. Um, it's a different preparation for sure. But once you get to the games like this, rather adrenaline takes over. You know, there's a lot of games that um, I actually got to pitch in the World Series and. Uh, or actually in the playoffs in uh, 2010-11 with the Phillies where I actually started game two, pitched out of bullpen in game four, and pitched game five. 
So I pitched, you know, three different times in a three-day period where I started two games and pitched out of bullpen one day. So the adrenaline takes over a lot. You know, you get out there and, and once you start establishing what you can do, calm your nerves down a little bit. And the biggest thing is location. You know, a lot of guys get out there and they start getting hyped up and they, they start throw, overthrowing, trying to throw too hard instead of just locate the ball. If you locate the ball, you're going to get outs. And I keep telling this, but it's all about quick innings. If you can get quick innings, if you can eat up innings, the whole point of being a starter, my goal was to outlast the other starter. If you can outlast the other starter, you're usually going to win the ball game. Short day rest, what does it affect more? Is it location? Is it velocity? Touch of both? What was the thing that hampered you more on short day rest? I think the biggest thing is your legs are not as strong as they are when you have your normal day's rest. So when you first come out of the chute, most of the time your ball's up in the zone. So you got to re- be real consistent about the bottom of the zone, bottom of the zone, bottom of the zone, because your legs are not as quite as strong as it usually is. So your follow-through and, and your push-off is not quite as hard as it would normally be. So a lot of times you would throw up in the zone. So my whole focus was bottom of the zone, bottom of the zone, get the ball down, try to – you know, actually before the game, on a lot of days, on short days rest, I would actually put the catcher on the plate to make me throw the ball down. So now when I get in the game, everything was down. So it kind of trained you to keep bottom of the zone because you throw the bottom of the zone, you're going to get a lot more better results that way than you will up in the zone. Looking back at the ball game tonight, I thought that Leiter got a lot of balls off the plate. Um, but I thought, and you may have had a better view of this than me. I, somebody was saying we didn't get calls. I thought we had some big misses. And I've always said that you don't give an umpire a chance to help you if you're missing big. If you're around the, if you're around the zone, you know, you get a lot more call strikes for sure. You know, you can't throw three or four pitches where you mix six, six feet and then expect to get that two or three inches off. It just don't happen that way. Lighter, you know, I, I love the way that he pitches. He gets the ball, throws the ball, real bulldog on the mound. Challenges you with the fastball. Early in the game, he challenged with the fastball. I thought late he started kind of going to the breaking ball a little bit more than he should with that run, that big of run lead. I would have been a little more fastball, fastball, trying to get me another inning instead of worrying about a strikeout. But, I, I mean, I love the way he's pitched. I've seen him pitch a bunch. He's a, he's a bulldog out there. His dad was the same way. I got to pitch against him a bunch when he was with the Mets. Um, you can tell he, you know, he's got the same demeanor as his dad did. But, you know, the biggest thing is you have to – early in the game, you have to – location is a key – if you're all over the zone, you're not going to get as many pitches. But if you're close to the zone and you're steadily working the glove, a lot of times you can work that catcher a little further out as you go, but you've got to be able to hit your spots. Roy, before we let you go, after the first inning, we worked the bullpen and we worked it well. And that kind of makes you feel a little positive going into the next two games because at the end of the day, you know you don't have Will Bednar. You've got Houston Harding who's you know kind of in the, in the wings right now. You think he's going to start tomorrow. We really haven't thrown enough guys that you really are crippled coming out of the bullpen. You kind of have to feel good about where we are right now. Even though you lose the first game, this is the team. We are a team that can bullpen this thing for the next two days. I thought I thought the bullpen did a great job coming in after the seven runs. I mean, anytime you can keep a team from not scoring hardly another run until deeper in the game and give your team a chance to peck, peck at it. You know, because as a starter, a lot of times when you get that six or seven run lead, you're taught to challenge them, challenge, challenge, challenge them. Sometimes you get a lot more hits that way because you challenge them. You don't want to put anybody on for as walks and stuff because you're taught to keep on throwing strikes, don't put anybody on. So sometimes you give up one or two or three, four runs. Next thing you know, it's seven to four. 
So I thought the bullpen did great coming in, shutting everybody down, giving us a chance to, you know, peck at him, get a run here, run there. And I thought, you know, with the bases loaded there, we could have got a run there. But, you know, it just happened that way. But I thought, you know, overall the game, you know, the very first inning, you know, dictated the game, the outcome of the game. But for us, that bullpen coming in, I thought they did an outstanding job. Roy, appreciate you joining us. Hey, Charlie, you got one more question? No, I just have one comment. I was going to tell him, Roy involved in opening a new restaurant in Starville, Taste. I uh, had a chance to go last week, and we're going to go have another visit with you before too long, hang out over there at the restaurant. But, man, look, if you're from Starville and you want a big-time dining experience. Not just Starville. I mean, anywhere in the state. I looked around, and I said, this is not something we've experienced here. This is this is different level. This was – this was really nice. You guys have put together something amazing over there. That's one thing uh, that we wanted to do. Uh, my partner Craig and I, we we wanted to do something in store for them that hadn't really been done yet. You know, we I've had the chance to eat at different places all over the world. You know, we're playing in the big leagues and getting to eat at great places, unbelievable restaurants. We wanted to bring a different experience into Starful. Uh, top of the line, real great service. Our, our number one thing is the service. Make sure it's top of the line. Food's got to be you know outstanding. Um, and I, we felt like we accomplished. We had a great team. We got some guys that came in from all the way from, you know, 38 down on the coast. We got a shelf out of uh, uh, Miami that came in and cooked for us. And uh, we got a really good team. We actually, you know, the employees, when we started hiring, we actually had 100 employees come in for a job interview And when we first started hiring just because of the things that we're doing there. And, uh, you know, our next restaurant we're going to try to do is, is a steakhouse here in Starkville. Should be maybe 60 to 90 days away. Um, should be top of the line. We're going to do all prime steaks. Uh, try to do something that, that hasn't been done to start for yet. Well, I tell you, I've never seen anything like that. It was a great experience, so I'm looking forward to the next one. No, no doubt. You. Hey, Roy, before we let you go, so I was driving up last night. I'm coming through Atchison County, Missouri, okay? Coming through the top northwest corner of the state, and I sent a text to my dad. I was passing Rockport, Missouri. And it's hard to believe it's been 33 years ago in Rockport, Missouri. You got on the mound against a team from Puerto Rico, and you you were throwing that little EFAS pitch. You were throwing, <laughs> and Roy threw a fastball. He threw like a changeup. You weren't throwing curve. I think Steve Chambliss and Johnny Fair were the only people that were throwing curveballs yep. at the time. And you throw that little little EFAS pitch, this changeup. Yep. And they had this cat, Charlie. He had to have been 14 years old. Okay, <laughs> we were like 11. And Roy throws this change up, and this guy just screws himself into the ground. And so I thought of you last night when I was driving by the exit to Rockport, Missouri. You know, it's amazing how fast time goes because I can remember it like it was yesterday, uh, getting to go to Missouri, and we actually went to Iowa one year and played. And uh, just great experiences, you know, got to play with a bunch of great guys. I tell people all the time, I said, you know, Bart actually used to catch me in, in summer league. <laughs> so who was better, me or Brad Auspice? <laughs> I don't know. You guys are pretty close. <laughs> Roy, hey, great to see you, man. Thanks, guys. That's Roy Oswald, former big league pitcher, Startland resident right now, native of Ware, Mississippi. And Couldn't you do that all night, though? Yeah, I could. That's that's the thing. I could sit there and talk to Roy all night. I've, I've known Roy for a long time, and we played ball together. We played, you know, a lot of little league ball together. We played against each other in high school. He was at Ware, and I was at Nantawoya. And hey, I, he, I forgot to say this right there because I was going to give him a hard time because I always give him a hard time. 
And I don't know if you know this or not, Charlie, the first home run I ever hit in high school was off of Roy Oswald. Was it? The big Nanawaya Ware matchup. The big Nanawaya Ware matchup, and I laughed at him. And I laughed at him, like, going around the bases. It was a break, hanging breaking ball. Did you get one in the ribs the next at bat? No, he, <laughs> he, he was pretty upset. He was pretty mad at me. But he, he did throw an inside fastball. He did not get me. So, so he just mentioned somebody that I just got a text message from, and that's Johnny Fair. Really? And Johnny Fair tells me this. I'm, I'm here to bring hope. Okay. I'm here to bring energy, enthusiasm. That, that, that kind of just goes hand in hand with Charlie Winfield, doesn't it? Positivity. Four of the last five national champions lost game one. I'll take it. We got them right where we want them. Roy's over there talking to Chris Burke. I had a chance to talk to Chris Burke. You did too, didn't you? Didn't you? We ran into Chris Burke at two different occasions. Yep, we sure did. And so, yeah, Chris Burke with the SEC Network is uh, is here. Of course, State loses tonight, eight to two. Got Tuesday and Wednesday out there. And you phrased that right. Vanderbilt didn't win eight to two. We lost 8-2. to two. Yeah, we did. We did. We beat us. Well, and, of course, we're in the uh, Bank First Studios, the traveling Bank First Studios here in and Omaha. And Rafael Palmero talking with him. <laughs> Let's just t- put that microphone in the middle. Of you got Rafael Palmero right now. You got Roy Oswald and Chris Burke. Yeah, you look, never mind what we have to say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if anybody really knew what was going on right there, I mean, th- first of all, Chris Burke – was one of the best players to ever play in the SEC. Tremendous oh, yeah. player at Tennessee, great big league career. Of course, Raphael's Raphael. And then Roy, man, had that tremendous career in Major League Baseball. And, of course, as we talked about, we're in the Bank First studios. Bank First, better way to bank. They've got locations throughout the state of Mississippi. They've gotten into Hattiesburg Market, of course, the Flowood and Madison Markets, of course, the Golden Triangle, the big stronghold. But over in Alabama as well, you're over in Tuscaloosa, they do a great job over there. So check out all the locations. They do it right with their mortgage. They do it right with their commercial lending. But more than anything else, their customer service, and that's bank first. Charlie, you know, he brought up a good point a minute ago about establishing fastball. It's amazing when you talk to some of these guys about how simple they make this game. And I hate to go back, and we hate to name drop, but that conversation we had with Roger Clemens a couple weeks ago who said the same thing, I thought that was interesting of what he said of, hey, sometimes strikes are a good thing, and pounding down in the zone and getting ground balls is a good thing. It was almost like tonight was one of those nights where you're chasing strikeouts early on. You're trying to get strikeout with one pitch. That kind of does you in a little bit, and it did tonight in the first inning. I'll be honest with you, though, with Bradfield, I would walk up there and throw a coach pitch to him. I'd put it on a tee to him before I walk him. Yeah. You know, I said this earlier, but that walk changed the game because you could tell he was just in McLeod's head from there. You know, he got over to second base. He's dancing around. And it was like McLeod just could not focus on the hitters from there. And you go back and you look. We're down 3-1. to one. They've got one hit. One hit. And, in fact, at one point, Mark, you know, my friend Brent DeWeese and I, change trade messages a lot through the game and he sends me a message and he says you know we're through four and a half innings and we have seven hard hit balls to their one or two you yeah, know we had more i mean they had the moonshot yeah they did that was but, a big home but, run but other than that hey we both had five hits tonight we had five hits and tonight. we hit some hard outs they had one or two hard outs not many hey it's time now to look at our stats our postgame stats are brought to you by maroon and white realty maroon and white realty Right there in Startwell on Star Avenue. They do a great job. 
Man, it's just uh, fantastic what they do. Property management, when you start talking about what you need, a, a new home in Starville, if you're looking for a secondary home, if you're looking for something for your students, whatever, give them a call. You got Sterling, of course, but Brent Reynolds, Michelle McNeil, Taylor Copeland. Man, I tell you what, that's just a great team that they have there with, with Britt, Michelle, and Taylor, and, of course, Sterling as well. And so if you're in the need, or any real estate need in Starkville or the Golden Triangle, give them a call. That's Maroon and White Realty of Starkville. Well, let's take a look at the final stats of the game. And first, let's run them for the home team, and that's the Vanderbilt Commodores. And for Vanderbilt, they had five hits, one hit each from five different players. Bradfield at the top of the order scored a run. Of course, that was the first inning. He was 0 for 2. Young in the two spot was 1 for 4. He had an RBI. Rodriguez, the catcher, had the big two-run single. That was back in the first inning. Vaz was 1 for 4. Thomas was 1 for 4. And then the big three-run home run by the nine-hole hitter, Gonzalez. That was in the first inning, and that was really, really tough. And Pretty much the un insurmountable lead after Vanderbilt scored seven in the bottom of the first inning. Leiter went six innings. He gave up two runs, both earned on three hits. He struck out 80, walked three. And then State in the uh, final three innings against Maldonado, no runs, two hits, four strikeouts, no walks. Maldonado comes in and cleans it all up with three innings. Leiter throws 107 pitches, his ERA now at 2.13. For State tonight, Logan Tanner was two for three. He was the only player who had multiple hits. Then he had three other guys that had hits. Rowdy was 0 for four. Tanner Allen was one for three. Cameron James, the big one for four, that solo home run in the first inning. And by the way, when he hit that home run in the first inning, I had just made a statement to Jen. I was like, you know what? I thought it's gonna be a lot of State people here, and there is a lot of State people here but I don't know if it's as many as we thought. And then he hits the home run, I promise you, like on the next pitch, and you realize real quick, my goodness, yeah. at the people that were there at the ballpark tonight. Got loud for a while. Yeah, it got loud quick. And so that's a look at the Bulldogs offensively. From a pitching standpoint, Christian McLeod goes just two-thirds of an inning, gives up six runs, all earned on just two hits. Two hit batsmen, two walks, those scored. He had another walk late that scored. And so for Vanderbilt, you had five of the eight runs scored on either. They either got on base with a walk or a hit batsman. Chase Patrick threw a third of an inning, gave up one run. That was that big three-run home run. Cade Smith was good out of the bullpen. Did it surprise you to see Cade in a game that was 7-1 at the time, Charlie? Yes. Me too. I thought he was a guy that was maybe in line to draw a start over the next couple of days. But you did see this with him coming out after the, the two innings of work and then Brandon Smith coming in. He worked a clean two innings. You saw right there almost what State's going to do the rest of the way. I think so. Now I'll say this. I thought Brandon Smith kind of gave you the roadmap. He, yes, he, he did. Meaning he, uh, we use the phrase so much, pitching to contact. Yep, he did. He gave up contact, but we made plays defensively behind it. Casey Hunt pitched two innings, gave up one run, one hit, one walk. It came around to score later on. And then Jackson Fristo pitched. All right, ding, 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 ding. Yep. Alarms. Yeah. Surprise you? Yeah, it did to me because I thought he was another guy that was probably 
possible starter. So what this tells me. I thought me, you'd start him tomorrow in Harding on a Wednesday game. Yeah, so what all this tells me is, is yeah, Harding may be your answer because I was trying to figure out who's your game two guy. All right, so now let me ask, and maybe you should have asked Roy this question too. I get it. This is a little bit out there maybe, but is there any idea? Start Landon Sims? No. Start Fristo. Here's here's my here's my thinking, okay? And, and I'm not saying I believe this. Just play along a minute, okay? He hadn't pitched in a long time. He's been here at the World Series. He's the one guy we haven't run across the mound. There was some thought that maybe you've got to get a start from him. Is the idea that we're going to give him an inning? How many pitches does he throw today? First 15, th- 12. 12. Okay, so is there any idea that we're just going to let him walk across the mound just to Take get it ready. all in, and then we'll see you again tomorrow. See him tomorrow. See him on Wednesday. Hey, you got to piece two together. I mean, I know you you may have Bednar a little bit, and, and these people that think that you're going to start Bednar on Wednesday, let me tell you, unless something crazy happens, you may see him on the back end some, but you're going to have to piece together two games now. And here's the thing, Charlie. So, you know, conventional wisdom says, okay, we went out there tonight. We're not going to have our starting pitcher as far as Bednar the rest of the way. You had what was your number two starter, number one starter a lot of the year in Christian McLeod who goes just two-thirds of an inning. And so leaving the ballpark tonight, there were some people sitting there going, man, I tell you what, I mean, this you got punched in the mouth. I don't like your chances. I don't mean to say this in a negative way about Vandy, but this is still a winnable College World Series. This is very much a winnable College World Series. I didn't think, and I've heard some folks say that they thought tonight was a must win. I never thought that. Oh, no. Now, I thought tonight was a must win for Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I felt like if Mississippi State won this game tonight, they were going to win the championship. Yeah. Because I thought Vanderbilt would have then been pushed to maybe even having to talk about bringing Rocker back on extremely short rest. All right, it's time now to take a look at our big play of the game, brought to you by Two Brothers Smoked Meats on University Drive, right in the heart of the Cotton District. That menu is phenomenal. There's not anything bad on there. You've got all the tacos. And Don't sleep on the cheese grits, by the way. I haven't mentioned those. They're good. The cheese grits? Yeah, they're I've, good. I've not had the cheese grits. I have not. But I've had a lot of the tacos. I've had, of course, the smoked wings. We talked about the cheese fries. Everything there is great. The service is good. But the location is phenomenal at uh, Two Brothers Smoke Meats right there on University Drive. All right, Charlie, what's your play of the game? Well, I've already given it to you, and I'm going to stand with it. The leadoff walk, change the game. Bradfield is the kind of guy that once he gets on base, he is just difficult to deal with. I thought you had a guy in McLeod who was struggling to find himself a little bit, and we picked a first a ton. We picked and we picked and we picked. We picked a second a bunch. You know, he ends up stealing his way over to third. He was just trouble on the bases once he got here, once he got there. And you go back to me, that is the play of the game. Well, I'm going to go, you know, later in the inning, and that's when C.J. Rodriguez is at the plate, when the, when the catcher's at the plate. And I go back to that point of falling behind early in that at bat, throwing breaking ball, breaking ball. And with everything that had happened at that point, you just knew that, he was missing big with curveball, big with curveball, and the only pitch he had in his arsenal was fastball. And so Rodriguez is sitting up there with fastball ready, and with two strikes he pulls the ball through the left side. And then all of a sudden 
the game kind of unravels for you. You know, if, if you can keep it a stick in the first inning, if you can keep it to just one run, but all of a sudden three runs and then you give up the bomb, of course, later on, and you've got a guy like, yeah, when you got a guy like Lighter on the mound, you heard Roy talk about it a moment ago, when you've got stuff at 95 and you can jam it in the zone. And it looks got, easy. Because you've got the big lead, you can pitch more aggressively. I just thought the crooked number in the first inning and it was all set up by C.J. Rodriguez, and that to me was our play of the game. And that brought to you by Maroon, excuse me, by two brothers, Smoke Me. You struggle with that. I do. I don't and know what it is. You do a lot of things well. But I struggle with some things, and that's one of them right there. Two brothers, Smoke Meats, right there in the heart, of the heart of the Cotton District on University Drive. All right, Charlie, final little bit right here. It's time to look ahead, and our look ahead to tomorrow brought to you by Mosquito Joe of East Mississippi. Well, Mosquito Joe, if you're in communities across East Central Mississippi, whether you're in Caledonia, Laurel, Hattiesburg, Walnut Grove, Meridian, Philadelphia, Louisville, Starkville, I mean, anything East Central Mississippi, Quitman, Pelahatchee, all the way on down, Decatur, they got a lot of mosquitoes in Decatur. Make outside fun again. Mosquito Joe, they do it right. They come with the backpacks. They just spray everything down, and it's amazing what it does to the mosquito population, especially this time of year. But, but also, if you're adding on to your house right now, you're building a new deck, they have those misting systems that they can attach to your, to your back patio. But Mosquito Joe of East Mississippi, Charlie, looking ahead to tomorrow, now all of a sudden you start thinking about a Houston Harding you know, Vanderbilt State's going to be the home team tomorrow coming out of the gate. I think it's going to be such a big key tomorrow to come out of the gate early. Yeah, you have to because you go back and you have to do something our pitchers have not been able to do all week long, and that's pitch with a lead. you got to give this team a lead early in this ball game. And, look, we're, we've been talking about pitching, and deservedly so, but we scored two runs. Okay, you know, this is a team right now, I think coming into today, we were hitting about 215 in this tournament. And you go back and you look, we've tended to have a couple of innings where we bunch some things. We've had a lot of quiet innings offensively. I think tomorrow is one of those days where it is absolutely imperative that we get off to a good start. We've talked a couple of times. You know, you go back, you made the comment about the Texas game, the last Texas game, where Rowdy had a couple of bad at-bats, but that third time he figured it out. we got to figure it out early tomorrow. How about the crowd? How crazy is it, man? We knew it was gonna be we knew it was gonna be nuts. We talked about it a moment ago when Cam James hit the home run and how many people were in that ballpark. It is absolutely amazing. We made the drive up yesterday. I've got a ten year old and a six year old I was trying to drive with. We stopped ninety seven times. Ninety seven rest stops, one hundred and twelve times that I threatened one or both of them. And we made it in last night. We left at 8.30 yesterday morning. We got here at 11.30 last night. It took a long time to get here. And, man, just look at this lobby right now at the team hotel. We're at the Hilton in downtown Omaha. It is like a football. You know what it reminds me of, Charlie? This scene today before the game, it reminds me of playing in the Liberty Bowl and going to the Peabody for the pregame. That's exactly what it reminded me of earlier today. Yeah, there's a ton of people here, and you know, we've seen Rafael Palmero taking pictures and being around, and 
We talked about Chris Burke, Roy Oswald. There's just a ton of people here. Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah, that's right. He was here, wasn't he? Yeah, I saw Jeffrey earlier today. Luis Poyarena. Saw Luis. I would put Luis in all that category. <laughs> I love Luis. Well, look, we may need somebody like a Luis Poyarena tomorrow who can play a little left field and come pitch too uh, because I don't know where our pitching is going to come from. That's the one thing that really hurts you. You're in a three-game. Let's go back. I'm going to switch back to being half empty here, okay? But remember we've talked about the Texas A&M game, the series, and the Missouri series, and we said the problem is we only got 10 or 11 innings from our starting pitchers. We are now in a situation where we're going to play a three-game series. I would be floored if you got 10 innings out of starters, even if this thing goes three games. Yeah, but we've done it before. That's the positive. Is we've had to do it before. We've had to take this roadmap before. But it puts a lot of pressure on the backside. Puts a lot of pressure on you. I mean, you've got to have quality at bats. Now, to me, I thought, you know, Lighter being able to pitch with that big lead tonight and pitch with confidence, you pitch completely different when you're ahead by six runs. Just pitching completely different. But I thought he was good. Did I think he had his best stuff? This is what's crazy. No. No. I didn't think he had his best stuff at all. And here's the thing, Charlie. Everybody talks about Rocker coming back on Wednesday and coming back on short rest. We just talked to Roy about that a moment ago. If you get Rocker, he's probably not going to have the A1 stuff. That's right. So you've got the opportunity. You just have to piece some things together offensively. I still think we have a better lineup than they do. I would agree with that. But tomorrow you got to show up and play like it. You do. And that look ahead is brought to you by Mosquito Joe of East Mississippi. Mosquito Joe. Well, give them a call. They've got a lot of exterminators around that uh, they'll sell you on their m- mosquito world and what they can do for you. But these guys, these are the pros. They come in and knock it all out and come back at about three or four weeks later. And they, they make it easy for you to go outside, enjoy that patio and Enjoy that fire, even during the summer. It's a Mosquito Joe of East Mississippi. Charlie, enjoyed it as always. We'll be back tomorrow night. Hey, this is a lot of fun, even though the dogs lose 8-2 to two tonight. Still vibrant here in Omaha, Nebraska. Season's not over yet. Hey, you, you win two games and you're national champions. That's right. You, would you take this deal back at the beginning? Yeah, if you'd have told me you're going to be in Omaha, yeah. Here we are. Absolutely. 8-2, to two, Vandy wins it. So thanks to our friends at Bank First, Two Brothers Smoke Meats, Maroon and White Realty, and Mosquito Joe of East Mississippi. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Barth Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. And, of course, for Roy Oswald as well. Appreciate you hanging out with us on the post-game wrap.